We are going through the book of John, the Gospel of John. Um, we, we've announced that and uh, we're making a start this morning. And like I said last week, uh, while we're having the family meeting, that that's something um, the whole church will be going through. So the kids, the youth as well, so as a church, uh, we'll be going through John together and just learning some you know, powerful lessons that in God and his wisdom you know, has um, packed John full with. Okay? Um, so I'm going to kick, start the whole series today. So there's a lot on my shoulders, you know, to give you almost a broad overview of the book of John, uh, but then with a bit of emphasis. Well, shall I say with emphasis on John chapter 1? Okay. Um, should we say a word of prayer um, before I start to preach? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you because your word is life. Thank you because your word is living, your word is active. Your word has the ability to change us, to refresh us, to build us up. We open up our hearts this morning as we listen to you, O oh God. We desire that your word will speak expressly to us. We desire that we will hear what you have to say. We will see with, clear, with clarity you know, what you intend for us by your spirit. And Lord, at the end of the day, we will leave this place better with a better appreciation of who you are and who we are in you by listening to your word. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me give you one minute to turn the phone off. <laughs> All right, okay. There's some amen from the angels there. Okay, praise God. Okay, great. So, um, John's Gospel that's what we're looking at today. Could you open your Bibles with me to John chapter 1? And I'll just read a few verses, just 18 verses, just a few verses. Okay? Um, are you there? If you're there, say amen. Okay, so in the, I'm reading from the NIV version. It says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He, became, he came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, of husband's will, but born of God. Verse 14 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 15 says, John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, 
he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Verse 16, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is who himself, who is himself God, and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Amen. Amen. Okay, so um, today I'm just going to focus on those 18 verses and from those verses um, approach or give a broad overview of the book of John. Now this is a, a portion of John that people would describe as the prologue because essentially is an introduction. It gives you almost in a miniature form what the whole book is about. And so I'm going to be looking at it in maybe four different ways. Number one, I'll look at the perspective of John's gospel. The perspective of John's gospel, I will look at the purpose of John's gospel. I will look at the person of John's gospel. And I will conclude by looking at the power of John's gospel. The perspectives, the purpose, the person, and the power of John's gospel. John's gospel was written by John the Apostle. Um, obviously, historically, there were debates as to who exactly wrote John because the book does not exactly tell us you know, like other books where at the beginning you're told Paul, an apostle, you know, or, you know, John doesn't exactly tell us, you know, in clear terms who wrote it. But then if you look at John 13, 23, John 19, 35, John 21, 24, um, I won't go into all of that, but that's for you to check up later on. Um, we can allude to the fact that the book was written by John. The book talks about a disciple whom Jesus loved as the one who was the eyewitness who wrote the book. Uh, the disciple was not mentioned, and John's name was not mentioned either. So if you pull one and two together, uh, you can almost tell that John was the writer of the book. The date of the book was put at about 90 AD. Um, and it's essentially the most unique of the four Gospels. In fact, someone has described it as the maverick Gospel. And that's because it's different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are described as the synoptic Gospels because they are similar. And they are similar in terms of their perspective to the story of Jesus the Messiah, right? The sun is shining on the screen, so you can't even see it. It's the Lord's day, amen. <laughs> okay, so John's gospel is unique. Um, John, I want you to, if you can, if you can see the screen, good. If you can't, open to John 21, 25. And let's just quickly see, 
you know, what John's perspective is to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did where every one of them to be written, I suppose, that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. And so in John's mind, there were a lot of things Jesus did, as you would imagine. But John kind of limited what he recorded because in his mind, if he were to, if he was to record everything Jesus did, he says, even the world will not contain the book. And so John limited himself. Now, I noted a few omissions that John made. So, for example, in the book of John, you wouldn't see the conception of Jesus. So, John skipped Christmas. Thank God for Martin, Mark, and Luke, otherwise. <laughs> so, no Christmas story in John, sorry. John omitted Jesus' childhood. John omitted his baptism. Um, you should be on the next slide now, guys. Hello? So, John omitted the temptation of Jesus as well. John omitted his transfiguration and most parables. Now, John made some emphasis. John's emphasis, more than anything else, was on the deity of Jesus. The deity of Jesus. You are two slides behind. Okay? So, I, I told you John's omissions, and then now I'm on John's emphasis. So, in the Gospel of John, you see this emphasis on the deity of Jesus, on eternal life, on light, on life, eternal life, on belief, and on the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, more than anything, it seems like all that John was out to do was to focus on who Jesus was. All that John was out to do was to focus on the deity of Jesus. Now, look at how John started the book. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was with God from the beginning. All things were made through him. And then, so almost like as against uh, Matthew, who was trying to prove to us how that Jesus was a Jew and all of that, and tracing his genealogy, John just skipped Christmas, skipped being the son of David, went straight to a full-grown Jesus, went straight to uh, talk about how he proved himself to be the son of God. And so that is John's perspective. Now, the purpose of John's gospel, the purpose of John's gospel, if you look at John 20, John chapter 20, 31 and 32, now, good enough, John 
did a good job in, in the book telling us why he wrote the book. And I'll just refer us to that point of the Holy Scripture, John 20, 31. So he says, but these are written. So if you read it from verse 30. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Verse 31, John says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. If you go back to our text, John chapter 1, 19, sorry, John chapter 1, 9 to 13, the Bible says the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. It was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him, but to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Who were born not of blood, not of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. And so right here we have the purpose of John's gospel. If I take you back to um, John 20, 30, 31, John says, see, there are many things that Jesus did, but I've recorded these few ones because and the reason why I've recorded this is so that you may believe on Jesus the Christ. You may believe that Jesus is the Christ. So the purpose of John's gospel was to present Jesus as the Christ. Was to present Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior. It calls him the Son of God. The purpose of John's gospel was to show Jesus not just as a man, but as the Son of God. Now, John says, well, I'm not about presenting that information just for the sake of giving information. I, I am presenting this information, this fact about who Jesus is, so that by believing, you may have life in his name. So John essentially has an evangelistic approach to his, to his book. He's giving information at the same time he's calling for a response. John wants us to know that Jesus is the Christ, is the anointed one, is the Messiah, is the savior of the world. And he wants us to know that there is life by believing in his name. You see, let me, like John make a call this morning, which is the whole point of what the book is. It says, whoever believes, whoever believes, it says the true light has come. You know, the, the book, you know, introduces us to the man John, and he says, well, he is not the light, but there is the true light, the light every man that comes into the world. So John was making effort to reveal to us who the true light is. And he says, he's coming to the world. The world was made by him. And he says, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him, but to as many that received him, he gave.
the right to become sons of God. So the question I want to ask this morning is, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe in the one John reveals? Do you believe in the one who is the Savior? Do you believe in the one who is the light of the world? I, I know it sounds like, well, you're talking to a couple of believers, yeah, so why would you ask believers if they do believe? The word do you believe, or the expression do you believe, in the context of this verse actually is in a continuous sense. And so it's almost like John was saying, I'm writing to those of you who are yet to believe to believe. I'm writing to those of you who believe to continue to believe. He came to his own, the Jews. The Jews did not receive it. Now, he's extending the invitation to those who perhaps are not his own. They are not his direct people. Gentiles. The nations. So the question is, what are you going to do with the Jesus that John reveals? Do you believe? This is the purpose of John's gospel. That you might know that Jesus is the Christ and that you might know that he's the son of God and that you would do something without information. That you, by believing, might have life in him. And so I just want to, you know, challenge us, encourage us. You know, if there's anyone here this morning who have become so familiar with church, with Christianity, and you know the information, you know that Christ or Jesus is the Christ, but the question is, have you expressed faith? Do you believe him? Do you acknowledge him? as the Savior, and do you have life in you? Number three, the person of John's gospel. The person of John's gospel. You see, John makes the effort to reveal to us that the person is writing about isn't just a mere man. And that is why when I was talking about the emphasis of John earlier, I talked about all the things he omitted, but the fact that he emphasized more than anything else the deity of Jesus. Let me refer us back to a few scriptures. So John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. It was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, if you look at verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh. So John is saying, well, there is a word from the beginning, and that word has become flesh. So that man that you see walking around amongst you is the eternal word of God that has been made flesh. He said, and we beheld his glory. He says, the word became flesh and dwells amongst us, and we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and the only Son, full of grace. And truth. 
Verse 13 says, And no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God. And who is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Now, who is John writing about? Who is the person of the Gospel of John? You see, as we read through the whole of the book, it's important that we don't miss who John is writing about. And so right there in John chapter 1, we see the story of John the Baptist, who they came to and asked him, who are you? Are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? Are you one of the prophets? And John the Baptist made the effort to deny and say he was not the Messiah and said to them, see, I am only the voice of one crying in the wilderness. In fact, I cannot even untie the, the, the strap of his sandals. Now, again, that was a calculated you know, story that John strategically put there to make us realize that if you miss anything, do not miss who this story is about. It's not about John the Baptist. It's not about the 12 disciples. It's about God come in the flesh. That is the person of John's gospel. That is who the story is about. That is what John wants us to see. So as we read through the gospel of John, we're going to chapter 2 this week, I want you to be looking for the person of Jesus. I want you to be looking for the person of God revealed in Christ Jesus. John wanted us to know that it wasn't just the son of Mary and the son of Joseph, perhaps why he skipped you know, that part of things. He wanted us to know that even though he came and he did a lot of wonderful teachings, he's not just a rabbi. He's not just a teacher. John wants us to know he's not just a prophet. John wants us to know that he's not just a healer or a miracle worker. John employs this word sign in describing the miracles because John wanted to convey the idea that the miracles are not the end. The miracles are signals to the person of God in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? You know, how many of you will see a signpost and say, this way to Wales, and then you just stop at the signpost? Yeah? Now, the signs, the miracles are pointing to the person not an end in themselves. So John wanted us to use the word sign to let us appreciate the fact that this is not about the miracles. This is about the God of miracles. The person of John's gospel. More than any other gospel will come face to face, you know, with the person of God in Christ Jesus. Not just a philanthropist, you know, he fed the 5,000, he fed the 4,000. As a matter of fact, in John chapter 6, Jesus confronted the crowd and said, for which of these things do you seek me? Are you, are you following me because I fed you? And then he gave them the hard teaching and some of them left. Again, the point is, I am the bread of life. If you miss me in this whole picture, you have missed the purpose of John's gospel. And that's the point I'm trying to, you know, remind us of this morning. 
I dare say that it's not just John's gospel, the whole of scripture points to the person of Jesus. And so when you are reading the scripture and you miss the person of Jesus, you probably are not reading right. And, you know, John in many ways shows us that Jesus is the very God of the universe. You know, one I can readily point out is the use of the I am's. The I am's. You know, many times in John's gospel, you hear Jesus describe himself. John chapter says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection and life. I am the good shepherd. I am the gates. I am the true vine. I am the way, the truth, the life. And you know, when you use that expression, I am, sometimes we feel, you know, it's just making a statement of fact. But the Jews, who were his audience, recognize the word I am. When the Jews heard him use I am, they straight away remember Moses' encounter with God at the burning bush. And when, when Moses said, well, you're sending me to these people in, in Egypt, who should I say sent me? And God said, say to them, I am. And no wonder many times they picked up stone to stone him because in their mind they said, well, you are man, but you're making yourself God. And so when Jesus used the expression I am in John's gospel, technically he was saying, I am the God. You know, he had a conversation with them at some point about Abraham. And he said, well, Abraham, your father, rejoiced to see my days. He saw it and he was glad. And they were like, well, you're not even 40 years old. Have you seen it? Have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said, well, before Abraham, he didn't say I was. He didn't say I was. He said, I am. Again, using that technical term to say the God... Go back to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. This Word, this eternal Word, this God who has always been in the beginning of the beginnings, before there was any beginning, came in the flesh. And John's gospel tries to make us see who this Jesus is. Is. That is the person of John's gospel. And that is the person we're going to be exploring and looking at in the next couple of months as we read through the book of John. Let me finish by talking about the power of John's gospel, just to put all this together. You see, John's perspective was different from the synoptic gospels because of the purpose of John's gospel. Now, the purpose of John's gospel was to present to us the person of God in Jesus. And all of these makes the book of John powerful. And that's what I want to talk about. 
What makes it, what's the power? Now, in my mind, when I stand back and I look at the book of John, I look at John's gospel, I think about, and I'll say it in three ways. Overall, it's a demonstration of the love of God. You see, the first thing is, when you think about John's gospel, you think, my God. <laughs> my God became like me. It blows the mind that my God became like me. You know, we read earlier, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, that word dwell there is, is the word tabernacled. The word made is dwelling amongst us. You know, when, when the Bible describes his name as Emmanuel, it, just, it means God in common with us. God became man. God, as it were, stooped down into our low estate, into our low situation. That is what John is saying. John is saying that guy that you see on the sandy, you know, terrain of Palestine, eating with you, talking with you, in the boat with you, at the wedding with you, is not a mere man. This is the very God. And so when I look at it, I stagger. Oh my God. My God became like me. You know, Thomas did not quite understand it until Christ resurrected. And when he got a revelation of the fact that he's the God, what did he do? He fell on his knees and says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus, well, gave a gentle rebuke, blessed are those that did not see and believed. My God became like me. You see, we know the story, don't we? That humanity fell. Fell from the standard. Fell from the plan of God. And God embarked on a mission. A rescue mission. And you see, nothing was going to deter him from reclaiming man to himself. And the way in his mind, in his wisdom, that he was going to achieve that was to roll his sleeves, lay aside his majesty, and come into our field to redeem us. So when I think about it, I think, my God, became like me. Second Corinthians and chapter 8 and verse 9. I didn't plan to say it, it just occurred to me now. It says, do you not know the grace of our Lord Jesus that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor so that we through his poverty might become rich. He became like us. We behold his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of God. 
full of grace and truth. Not just that my God became like me, feels my pain, walk on the same ground that I walk, go through the same challenges, the same temptation, was hungry, was tired, was blasphemed and assaulted and misunderstood and put himself in my shoes, took my place. It also blows my mind that my God died for me. You see, while he was on earth, he was fully God and fully man. And he had the ability and the power to wave the cross. Have you noticed that when Bible describes how Jesus died for us, he doesn't say that his life was taken. He gives a suggestion that he gave his life. In other words, it was an act of his will. When he was dying on the cross, the Bible said he gave up the ghost. He, he submitted. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been able to kill him. You know, when they were going to arrest him, when, when they came near him and he said, would you seek? Bible says that they fell backwards. And he said, well, really, guys, you don't have the power to arrest me. <laughs> we, we, we know, right? Okay. Now you can arrest me. <laughs> so I, I could call a legion of angels. So it blows my mind that my God will die for me. That's the power of John's gospel. When you realize that the person this guy is describing is not just the next door neighbor, is God of the universe. And that my God should die for me. You know, John, in another way, describes this. First John 3 and verse 1 says, See what kind of love has the Father given to us. What kind of love is this? What kind of love is this? And the third way to reflect on that is that his death brought me life. That's the power of John's gospel. My God became like me. My God died for me. And my God, in his death, brought me life. You know, there's this golden verse of scripture that no matter how mature you are as a believer, you must always come back to it and fall on your knees in gratitude. John 3, 16. How many of you, was, was that, if that was your first scripture that you could memorize? How many of you are like that? Okay, yeah. Simple, powerful scripture. Can you put John, do I have John 3.16 on the slide there? No, maybe not. Okay. It says, for God so loved the world. I underlined the word so. I know you know, but I just underlined it just to give you another opportunity to look at it. For God so loved 
the world that he gave. He gave his only son. Uh, you know, I, I always like to emphasize that idea of the only son because it's easy when someone has many things and he parts with one of it. But the Bible uses the expression only son because Jesus is uniquely God's son. And so it wasn't like, oh, God just looked around and said, well, who is the most troublesome here that I can part with? I said, okay, you're just going to die for them. No. His only son. His eternal son. The son of his love. That's, that's the meaning of the, of the expression, my beloved son. The son close to his heart. John 1.14 describes it as the one who is in the closest relationship. Relation with the Father. So for God so loved the world that he gave us his only son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we've emphasized the idea of our God dying for us. But I think it's also powerful to appreciate the fact that his death was not in vain. I have life because of what he did. So when I come to the book of John, as I begin to read, I just stagger, I just marvel, I just rejoice at the life that I've received because my God became like me. My God went all the way to Calvary to die for me and the death of my God was effective and I have life in him. What's the bottom line, guys? Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is Lord? Will you continue to marvel and stand in awe of this wonderful reality that our God came to our world and died for us. I guess if in the multitude of words that I've used today to introduce us to the Gospel of John, if you don't get anything, please be reminded that this is an account of how you and I were lost and trapped and could not help ourselves. And our God came to the rescue in the person of his son to save us. And he died and he rose again and through him we have life everlasting. I'll ask us to sing a song in response. Let's just bow down our heads. And I just wanted to, before we sing together in your own words, to just express...
gratitude and just thank him. You know, some of us, we probably have been Christians for a long time that we are probably too familiar (laughs) with the great work that God has done or that he did for us. And I just wanted to take this moment to be grateful once again for God coming in the flesh. For Jesus choosing to die. Even when it felt hard and difficult and impossible for him, he was obedient to death. Even the painful death of the cross. Just express your gratitude this morning. And just tell him how much you appreciate and love him for what he's done.